Well, good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast for Timer Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Friday, January 27th, 2023. And our top story today, U.S. higher education institutions face more operating pressures. Well, joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Emily Wadwani is a senior director at Fitch Ratings. Emily, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Jeff. And we're talking about, just like we did, I would say probably post-pandemic or kind of year two of the pandemic, we talked to you about higher education and in particular credit ratings and the outlook. Uh, let's, let's take a look at the report that you and Fitch just issued, the team just issued. What, how are higher education institutions faring today relative to where they were maybe a year or so ago? Yeah, there's a couple of things, and, and as you as you probably saw in the report, we uh, expect that there are some challenges coming in, in the, the 2023 year. Um, we did uh, place a deteriorating outlook on the sector as a result of that, and a couple of things I would say are a little different here than we saw last year. Um, the first and foremost is we no longer have federal stimulus dollars uh, propping up um, some of the losses and the impacts from the pandemic, but also bolstering operating performance and operating margins. Um, that's largely been been used at this point, and we don't expect, certainly don't expect any any further bills to, to fly through Congress at this point. Um, and, and again, we're also seeing some market pressure, as, as we all know, any, any, any of us with a savings account or, or uh, investment account saw some pretty wild volatility last year, and uh, we do see some pressure on investments, endowments, um, and also the pension plans that are that are attached to many public universities, um, and and that's a largely negative picture. Picture, particularly when you compare it to the the strong strong gains that we saw in in 2021. Yeah, and uh, I would, no. yep. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish up your thought. I'm, I apologize. Yeah, I, no. I was going to say the the third thing. I have one more thing, and then we can and then we can move on. The third thing that we're seeing here um, that 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 is driving our, our deteriorating outlook is. Is inflation um, big? No, no surprise to anyone. Um, inflate. We expect inflation will hit margins, um, particularly for for institutions that um, you know have a high degree of wages and benefits, energy, uh, travel, utilities. All of those things are are um, certainly having an impact on the bottom line this year. And we expect to see thinner margins as a result. My apologies for interrupting you, Emily. Uh, as you know, it's often very hard to 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 realize when someone's finishing a thought um, when we're so far away. Uh, but, but I want to follow up on that. Um, when you look at the, the biggest expenses for these universities, um, I, would think, I would think, you correct me if I'm wrong, it's labor, it's the real estate, it's the property. There's a lot that goes into managing these, these institutions. And so they are heavily dependent on enrollment. Absolutely. Um, the about seventy to eighty percent of uh, an institution's revenues are, are driven by enrollment. Um, there is some variability when we when we talk about public institutions. They they also receive a meaningful amount of state support, um, and and those that are heavy into research have another buffer against you know tuition volatility. But really, we're talking about enrollment, um, and and the picture there, I think, as you read, is also mixed at best as we head into 
Yeah, let's let's talk about that because I think I read correctly, and I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I have a short I have a short memory span, but uh, international enrollment appears to be up, and I think that probably was a result of lifting some of those uh, quarantines, uh, the travel bans, I guess as we we call them now. Uh, but but domestic enrollment maybe not as strong as it as it was or, or could be. That's that's fair. We we are still seeing a, a pretty relatively weak enrollment environment. Um, I, I would say the biggest areas of strain continue to be part time and uh, two year enrollment. Um, that that tends to be the the student population that is the, the most variable. Um, but there were some bright spots last fall, and that at the two year yep. community college and broadly across the sector, uh, incoming tick up after after a few years of decline. Um, and as you noted, international enrollment does appear to have recovered as of last fall to pre-pandemic levels. Now, I, we should point out that pre, you know, pre-pandemic levels reflect a five-year decline, um, but it, it, it does appear that the impact uh, from the pandemic has, has, been, has been addressed. So when you look at this enrollment, this will be the last question, we'll, then I promise we'll, we'll, we'll talk more um, over the commercial, after the commercial break. But when you look at the um, enrollment, is there a reason that it may be down? Is it that, you know, you think about these kids and I'm just, you know, I don't have any nieces or nephews that are high school age, but the, the years of the pandemic really difficult and maybe people wanted to go into a trade or wanted to go directly into the workforce um, also, I would imagine that inflation is, is really having a negative impact on uh, that enrollment as well. Yeah, and I, uh, there, there are two things at play there, we, we think. Um, the first is, um, while, enroll, while inflation has certainly had an impact on, on sort of spending power, real spending power and, and, and consumers, um, the wage and labor market has a big impact on um, decisions around whether or not to go back to school. To, to maintain a part-time or, or any time um, in a degree program. And those are tough decisions. Um, and, and particularly when the two things combine, you've got a relatively healthy level of wage growth, tight labor market, uh, coupled with inflation. Um, we, we expect that, that students who are most vulnerable and most susceptible to address um, you know, their, 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 their budgets are decisions about delaying and, and avoiding, um, you know, get, going, going back to college at this point. That's one factor. The second factor we're seeing is, is also um, employers are relaxing their degree requirements. Um, corporate, uh, public employers, state employers, um, we are seeing some signs that, um, you know, there, there's, there's a, and again, I think this is a reflection of, of the relatively tight labor market, um, that the need for a degree has somewhat in the, in um, we do expect that the need an educated workforce remains a central tenant in the sector, but right now that decision is is being made um, in light of rising inflation and, and a pretty a pretty solid wage picture. Well, Emily, I need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the higher education outlook. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. 
This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and, and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The tax relief line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Emily Wadwani of Fitch Ratings. Emily, thanks so much for sticking around with us for segment number two. Happy to be here. Yeah, a lot of great information in the analysis report you and the team generated. All right, I want to pick up the conversation. Um, I guess my first question, we've had a lot of talk in the administration, the Biden administration had student loan forgiveness on the docket. It's currently kind of tied up in, I don't know, Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court world. We won't know the exact answer to that very soon, being challenged. But does that have any implications? Does student loan forgiveness have any implications on anything around the public financing and and or the enrollment? Yeah, I, I would say this, it, 
perhaps a peripheral effect here. Uh, this is certainly um, a big headline in the sector, and, and we do expect that we will hear um, uh, some, some meaningful decisions perhaps this summer at the Supreme Court on student loan forgiveness. Um, really, that was meant to be, again, another form of federal stimulus. Um, for students that had either already matriculated or, um, you know, in, in, there were limitations. And I, I would say its impact was was nominal broadly um, in, in terms of incoming enrollment um, and certainly in terms of persistence, meaning students who stick around year, year over year. Um, but it did it did provide a demonstrable um, level of, um, you know, faith that that the current administration will continue to support higher education and, and access for students. Um, and if anything, I think that's probably the larger impact it had on the center was just, or had on the, the sector, is just a reinforcement of, of, of the, the administration's platform on higher ed and, and the, the fact that um, they're, they're huge proponents of, of access um, and affordability in the sector. Emily, I want to talk a little bit about M&A activity, mergers and acquisition. This is something that we have seen in the higher education space in particular private sector, but what about uh, public financing, public sector, and, and what you found in your for your report? Yeah, we, we definitely expect to see more consolidation. Um, what, what's somewhat unique about the sector is, is that our rated universe isn't identical to the sector at large, meaning we tend to rate larger, um, more fiscally strong, um, sizable universities, and, and, and that, that's what makes up our portfolio. But in the sector uh, at large, there's a, a perhaps a third of it is made up of, of universities that are smaller than 1,000 students. Um, those tend not to be rated, and, and that's really where we've seen most of the M&A and closure um, activity to date. Um, but we do expect that will, will, will accelerate, um, and both within that smaller population of, of schools but outside of it as well, we're also seeing, um, you know, consolidation at, at some of the larger public institutions and, and state systems as they collapse campuses and programs, as they rethink, um, you know, how many, how many, how much duplication they need across the system. Um, we, we do expect consolidation will, will, will accelerate it. It won't look the same for everyone, um, but there will be a, a, we think an, an increasing level of it, particularly now that, again, those, those, federal stimulus dollars that were sort of helping margins um, are, are, are gone now. And, and for those institutions that have a unsustainable, shall we say, um, operating platform, they're, they're the ones that are at the greatest risk. It, I want to ask you about um, community colleges. I mean, we have seen that trend, that, that genre, if you will, uh, that tranche of uh, or tier of education really Really move up, and the two-year school become very, um, very uh, powerful and very uh, popular. Is that going to continue? And you look at what's happening in the higher ed space. Some of these, the collapsing of schools. Does that drive more kids, kids to they are kids to the community and adults, by the way, older adults, people like me, to community college rather than the higher ed institutions? Yeah, there's, there is definitely a case to be made for, um, and again, community college enrollment tends to be the most reactive to economic conditions. So while it's, it's perhaps economically, uh, you know, less popular at the moment, we do expect that will rebound. And, and in particular, if, if employers remain sort of relaxed on their degree requirements and, and we're looking at more interest in certificate programs, micro degrees, 
um, workforce development, community colleges are well positioned to, to absorb that interest and, and those students. Um, and so there could very well be uh, some recovery in that enrollment in particular as the economy um, quiets down a bit and stabilizes and, and the labor force um, um, slows down a bit. Yeah. Uh, last question, Emily. I want to ask you about you know, the cost of higher education is something that everyone talks about, uh, whether you are for higher education. I think we're all for higher education, but if you're for higher education or you're for student loan forgiveness or, you know, that cost just seems to go up. And, and based on your our conversation and again, not an expert here, but there's a lot of strain going on. Could we see higher um, higher costs for tuition and would that actually hurt? Or could that hurt enrollment? Is that a concern for you and the Fitch team? We've, we've certainly, we've, we certainly do expect to see continued pressure on the affordability um, proposition and, and continued scrutiny and demand for value. Um, and that, that will pressure some institutions into making different decisions around how they approach their pricing and discounting strategy as we move forward here. Um, we may see more tuition resets where institutions decide to slash off 30% of their sticker price and, and, but then offer a lower level of scholarship and financial institutional financial aid. Um, we may see, uh, you know, a continued sort of restrained growth environment where we're seeing, you know, one to 3% year over year increases in, in sticker price for tuition versus the five, six, seven percent we were seeing. Um, certainly pre-prior recession and, um, um, and and during the pandemic when we really didn't see any tuition growth, um, any meaningful increases in tuition. So that that's long been an unsustainable trajectory. The pandemic pulled the rug out in terms of tuition increases. But what the real picture we think is heading into 2023 and beyond is that there is no practical level of tuition growth prospects that can fully absorb at least the current inflationary cost picture. Um, and, so, and so that's really one of the driving forces behind our, our deteriorating sector outlook. Yeah, well, Emily, we could. Die. there's so much good information here and, and there's so much that we could talk about. I, I unfortunately got to cut our interview short. Emily, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news, lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, we'll visit our website and, of course, all of our 300 streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of Secure Saturday. We'll have two very special guests, and then we'll take a look at some of our best segments for the week. Until then... I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. And don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts. 
so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.